In this episode, I sit down with Christy Hunter Arscott to talk about her new book, Begin Boldly. Get excited, because this is Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Christy Hunter Arscott is an award-winning advisor, speaker, and author of the book, Begin Boldly, How Women Can Reimagine Risk, Embrace Uncertainty, and Launch a Brilliant Career. She is a leading expert on how we can harness the power of intentional risk-taking to create more dynamic and vibrant careers and organizations. A Rhodes Scholar, Christy has been named by Thinkers50 as one of the top management thinkers likely to shape the future of business. And I'm going to tell you something. After having this conversation, we sat for about 40, 45 minutes. After having this conversation, I completely believe it. Christy is absolutely brilliant. Her approach to uh, uh, changing the way we think about gender norms in the workplace, the way we think about going for what we want, and the approach we take to getting the things that we want is innovative and refreshing and honestly exciting. It's something I'm really excited to see spread further and to be uh, uh, incorporated into each of our own individual journeys. We had a phenomenal conversation that I'm going to break up into three episodes. So in today's episode, part one, we are talking about how she got into this work, how she decided that tackling a huge problem like gender in the workplace is the journey that she wanted to take, how that led her to writing the book Begin Boldly and discovering each of the principles that she shares in the book. So I'm super excited for this one. I think you're really going to enjoy the next three episodes. Just as a reminder, I want to make sure I say it over and over and over again. Uh, this interview is going to be broken up into three episodes. Today is part one. Tomorrow on Tuesday, I'm releasing part two. And then part three will release on Wednesday. So make sure you tune into all three episodes. I think you're really, really going to get a ton of value out of them. And when you do, when you listen to those episodes or watch, them, leave a comment on the YouTube. Um, what I want to do, I would love to invite her back for a part two. So I would love to have your questions to ask. I'm thinking what we do is uh, you head over to YouTube. I'll link to the video in the description of this episode. Ask a question in the comments, something that you want me to ask Christy. And then once I've got a few, I'll invite her back on. We'll do a part two and we'll have the opportunity to ask your questions with you getting the credit and sharing your name on the show uh, directly to her. So let's test this out. Head over to the YouTube. Once you're done with this episode, link is in the description. Leave a comment with whatever your question is. And uh, yeah, we'll bring her on for another round so she can answer your questions. Christy, how are you today? I'm great, thanks. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, so you are the author, the forthcoming book, Begin Boldly. Um, do you want to just very quickly tell us a little bit about the book, why you wrote it, and, and why it's important to you? Yes, of course. So I've been working in the gender and inclusion space and researching for over the last 15 years. And what I found was that the majority of strategies targeted at women in the workplace and their careers were women in more senior level management positions. And it was too little too late. 
And one thing I recently um, just brought to a, an analogy I like is that, you know, if you think about a pipeline and you want to increase the amount of diverse talent and women you have in your pipeline, and people say it's only a matter of time till women reach the top. But that assumes there's no leaks in your pipeline and only focusing on more senior level women is similar to like plugging that, that final hole, but not all the holes along the way. And it, it's just interesting because there's not a lot of focus there. With that being said, the real focus of this book is on equipping women to take risks sooner in their careers. And if you're on the line here and you're later in your career, don't worry at all. I say, if you haven't taken a lot of risks and bold moves, the best time to start taking them is now. And it's really about providing people with a method and a tool to do that. So that is incredibly relevant today, uh, especially yeah. when we look at, uh, I mean, across the board, uh, 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 we have people changing careers, we have people yeah. uh, going back to school and, and taking whatever step they need to take for themselves. So something like this feels like this is the right moment for that message. Um, I'm curious to learn just a little bit more about what led you to this space. Uh, so I, <laughs> good question. Um, so I got asked this years ago and I hadn't really thought back. Like I remember being in front, in front of an audience and thinking, what did lead me to do this? And trying to piece together the pieces, almost like the breadcrumbs or puzzle pieces in my puzzle. And I thought back that the first instance I remember caring about women and gender and issues was I was around the age of 11 and my drama teacher pulled me aside and said, will you try out for our public speaking and debating team? And I said, okay, I'll consider it. What do I need to do? And so she said, go home and prepare a three minute speech and come back tomorrow and present it to the group. And then we'll decide, you know, and, and so I got back the next day and the majority of people, you know, um, we were 11, obviously at the time there were topics of our favorite food, my vacation in this place, my favorite extracurricular activity or sport. And I got up and gave a very passionate speech on why women should be priests in the Catholic church. And I had gone home from school that day and had knocked on the rectory door of my priest and uh, asked him if I could interview him and took him into the church and grilled him on all of these questions. And I just remember at that time, um, it really coming to the forefront for me. And then over the years, I, I did my undergrad at Brown. I did a lot of work on gender and inclusion and sexuality and, and looking at human rights issues. And then um, eventually that took me on the Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford, where I was one of the first Rhodes Scholars to do a master's in women's studies, which was pretty surprising for a lot of the time. They were like, why not law? Why not medicine? Um, but it's been an amazing trajectory. And where the world is today, I think more than ever, we're seeing the need to focus on gender and inclusion and equity issues, just given what's going on in our political landscape. So... That is such an, I want to, I want to jump back for a moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you're 11 years old. Yeah. Why did that topic catch your, your attention? I think I have always had a bit of a radar for when situations of inequity exist. Um, and I've cared about them. And I even remember at a much younger age, when situations or groups, you could even think of a play group when you're a child, are exclusionary. Um, it bothered 
me. Um, and so I remember even being the one that would advocate for certain people in our classes or ensure people who weren't bullied. And, and I was thinking about these kind of issues and I was thinking that this was just another way to address almost what I saw as social exclusion in certain spaces um, that leads to professional exclusion or political exclusion. And I think ultimately it comes from having this caring deeply about exclusion and how do we eliminate that. Um, I also had a great, you know, um, parents. I had a really, uh, I had a strong mother, um, both dual working. Like they were both, I, I think they would both self-identify as feminists. Um, so all of those things, I'm sure. And I went to an all-girls school. Um, so I think that there were lots of things that have contributed to this trajectory. And I, I don't know them all. It's like sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'm finding another breadcrumb in my story. <laughs> and that's such a, a common uh, uh, trait that I hear whenever I do these interviews and, and even just thinking about my own career so far. Uh, there's this really great Steve Jobs quote that, that I always really love, the idea that you can't connect the dots um, looking forward. You have to wait until yeah. you actually get to the place to then look back and see, oh, that's how I got here. Um, yeah. And I'm finding with careers, like that is typically what happens. The people who are in the most interesting, most uh, uh, helpful places end up there through this crazy series of events that no one could have ever like saw coming. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you, we all have these best laid plans of this is what I'm going to do and A leads to B leads to C. And most of us are living very dynamic kind of winding careers with lots of different facets, but lots of ups and downs too. And I think in today's economy and world, that's even more prevalent than it was at certain points. Um, and so I think some of the things that I talk about in my book around the willingness to take risks, taste chances, um, you know, respond to change and uh, really think about response rather than resistance, like all of these things are so relevant, irrespective of where you are and what career trajectory you're on. So for you, uh, in your, the work that you do, even outside of this book, is it like, what happens if you're successful? Let's fast forward 10, 15, 20 years, you've accomplished whatever it is that you're trying to do. Like, what does the world look like? Oh my gosh, <laughs> a dream. I'll get teary eyed. <laughs> so I would see so much, so many more women and young girls from even a younger age Taking, taking bold moves and taking risks really intentionally instead of shying away from them. So, and, and so it would almost be like, I my goal is to empower and equip more women uh, to build really bold and brilliant careers. And then also in parallel, and this is some of the work that I do, you know, help leaders build organizations that allow women and underrepresented employees to rise and thrive. So I feel like organizations would have much more representation from women and underrepresented groups. And so that, that looks across whether it be disability and race and ethnicity. But I also think from a young age, I just would love to see women taking more risks. And I, I think what's happened is, you know, the world sometimes reacts differently to men than women. And I think we need to admit that. And I think, but I think that, that doesn't mean we shouldn't take risks. It just means how we take risks and the formula we have for doing that might look a little different. And there's certain core concepts when you think about what the world would look like. Like 
the idea in the book is like that I think there's been too much focus on confidence and not enough on courage and that we keep on hearing, you know, cultivate confidence. But I think that then we'll be waiting forever to take risks and bold moves. So instead, I like to flip the script and say, be courageous in the absence of confidence and confidence will be the byproduct or output. So what I love in the world of the future is to see this more conversations around courage instead of confidence focuses on experimenting and what you do with failure and how you learn from it. And that really being embedded into just everyday narratives in our organizations and schools and society. One question that I ask a lot of uh, the, the people I have the pleasure of bringing on who are trying to change something massive, like a massive problem that is deeply embedded in society. Yeah. Uh, do you believe from your perspective that it is more about changing individual behavior or is it more about changing society and, and its expectations? Yeah, excellent question. And um, I've grappled with this a lot throughout my career. So I'll be, I'll, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my thought process. I think when you try to equip women to, and, and, and my book is more catered towards the individual woman than it is the organization, but I do work with both. But when you are equipping or coaching the woman, you're essentially running the risk of saying you are the problem. And if you change and you lean in or you take risks or you whatever, then this will happen when really they're existing within historical societal structures that also need to change and even more so. And so at the beginning of this book, I talk about that kind of tension that I work with organizations to change the cultures in parallel to equipping women. But what I say is this is not absolving organizations or leaders or society from the responsibility to evolve, to be more inclusive, but I cannot ignore the fact that the world is still changing at a very slow rate. And in the meantime, we have to equip women to build bold and brilliant careers within the existing structures that we have. Otherwise, we'll be waiting for a long time. So if there's a tension, you're right, and it takes both. Yeah, it feels frustrating in the moment now because it's unfair, whether it's it's this issue or any number of, of other societal issues that... Uh, Right now, the thing that we can do is to help the individual, but it feels unfair to ask the individual who is the person, the, yeah. the victim of this system to do all of the work. Um, but what else can you do at this exact moment? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is difficult. And it almost goes back to if you look at different theories around sexism, racism, everything, there's this whole narrative around victim blaming. And it's, Sometimes when you're equipping a woman to be bold or you're talking about navigating a world with different race relations and biases, you're essentially towing a line. That's why I think your question is so artful and so important and is why it is actually at the forefront of my book is this is not, the onus is not just on you, but I want to say if, if I have a daughter one day, I want to be able to be like, look, we are working organizationally, community-wise, society-wise. But in the meantime, you better believe I'm going to equip you to navigate this world as it is. So that's it for this 
episode, this part of my conversation with Christy Hunter Arscott. Uh, I mean, you can tell, right? She is brilliant. Like, she knows what she's doing. And I know that you're excited for part two. So make sure you tune in tomorrow when we release the second part of my conversation with Christy. Uh, in the meantime, I want to remind you head over to the YouTube. The link is in the description of this episode uh, and leave your questions. I want to bring her back on for another round. So give me some questions to ask her, some things you want to hear uh, uh, directly from her. Leave your questions. I'm going to take the best ones, invite her back on, and we're going to be able to ask her directly. So the YouTube is in the description of this episode. And of course, if you want to connect with Christy, I've got all of her links as well as the links to pre-order her book in the description of the episode as well. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for part two. And until then, thank you for being here. I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day.